Today is a special day on the Art School Albums podcast because we have a bonus episode. Typically, I bring people on to talk about music that they are passionate about. For the first time ever, we are having a band on to talk about their album that if you are listening to this now, that means the record has been released. We are talking to the band Same. We are talking about their album, Plastic Westerns, and we are talking to the band. It's a two-part question to start out. If you guys want to introduce yourselves, that'd be great. And also, how are you all doing? We're doing very well. We're yeah. really excited to do this. I've like always wanted to do like a kind of track by track thing about like any album, but I mean this one especially. <laughs> so so this is so this is really cool. We're super excited. My name is Jake, and I uh, play guitar and do backing vocals. Uh, my name's Tom Higgins, and I play guitar. And uh, my name is Jesse Cajano, and I play bass and do vocals. That's what we like to hear. Guys, take me back. I did some Instagram journalism, and by Instagram journalism, I do mean that you guys posted a picture very recently <laughs> that helped me out with my timeline on this. Take me back to July 15th, 2015, which according to your Instagram account is your guys' first jam session. What was that day like? Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's un- undescribable. <laughs> things things change. There is a definitive before in your life and a definitive after. It appears. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know, guys. What was like going on around that time? Like, obviously, yeah, well, na- naked. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if we need to go through the entire timeline right now. But I guess at that time, uh, when we first jammed, um, like the other project that me and Jesse and at the end Jake played in Naked Spirit had just kind of like sort of disbanded like we like Jesse and I broke off from that band because we wanted to like do something different um and Jake came also um so that was kind of all like had just happened and then we all started jamming together like on this day yeah like Tom and I like had a lot of ideas to do for Naked Spirit that like they like the rest of our band didn't want to do so we just kind of took a lot of those ideas and that's what we started with when we started same yeah and it was like um there were definitely a a couple kind of like jam sessions where like i went over to their place toward like the very end yeah like toward yeah toward the time when naked spear wasn't really a band or they were nearing the end of their lifetime and where like I went over to their house and we were like jamming what would be same songs, but I don't think w- w- they were any that we actually kept. But like we were had kind of some it, it, little jams, like the three of us at their house. But yeah, the, on the fifteenth, that was the first time that I had met Jamie. They had known Jamie through college, um, but but yeah, that was the first time I met him, and then. And it worked out well. It was a really fun jam. So you guys, uh, in the timeline between now and then, have put out two EPs, if I'm correct. What gets the ball rolling towards this full-length album? How was that discussed? When did that idea first come about? Um, I mean, I think after two EPs, it's like, like you want to just finally put out a full-length. You know you have enough material, even though we didn't use any of the material on the EPs 
like when we started the band, the idea was to do a full length in the first place, but it's it's tough because you go through a lot of changes with your sound and trying to hone in your your style and all that kind of stuff. So it just it it took a while for us. So like I think after two EPs, we, it was just kind of like all right, the next thing we release has to be the full length. Yeah, we kind of like like Jesse mentioned, we had set out like in that first practice or like one of the ones right after that. We were just like, okay, let's try to write a full length. And then, like, we would start and be like, well, like, these uh, couple songs, maybe we could just do an EP instead. And we kind of, like, did that twice. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then we were just like, okay, like, let's make a full-length album for real this time. But it was fun because by the time we got around to making the record, we had, like, definitely learned a lot about recording and just kind of, like, how we wanted things to sound. So I think it, it worked out for the best, honestly. Where was Plastic Western recorded? We made it at uh, the studio called The Bunk in Henryville, PA, which is like the Poconos. And it's run by Matt Schimmelfennig and uh, Augusta Koch. And they're like two Philly-based musicians. They play in uh, Gladdy together. And we found out about the studio just um, through through playing shows and knowing uh just knowing bands from philly i found out about this band three man cannon and then met matt um i think at a show that they played and or at a show we played together and um i mean then just hearing the recordings and i learned that matt recorded or you know made records and i think it we just kind of all i don't know once we had heard some of the records that were being made there we were just like yeah let's do that (laughs) Did the space you guys recorded in mold or shape the record in any way? Because just to give you the most extreme example I can think of, like I know when Joy Division recorded Unknown Pleasures, they made the studio so cold they could see their breath. I'm assuming for this album, given that I've heard it, there's not exactly a a Joy Division studio technique implemented, but I could be wrong. No, you're you're dead wrong. They're actually that exact technique was implemented, and I wish I was joking, but um, that that actually happened to us. <laughs> I can't. Re- yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't remember if I told you about this during the last interview case. No, no, this is new information. This on my is end. so. Yeah, it was freezing. <laughs> honestly, when we were recording the album, because we made it in January, and the uh, the studio is a. Uh, it's like, it's like in the bar. loft of a barn. Yeah. Um, it's like in this really beautiful setting, but there's no heat or anything in this barn. Um, so we had to like uh, bring in like a like a propane heater like in between takes and like blast it inside <laughs> to heat the, to heat the building up and then like turn it off and start recording again. It's crazy. Are there, crazy. Are there I any songs? That... It on purpose. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Jesse, say that again. Oh no, that was Tom. I just oh, said that I, was Tom. I, yeah, I wish we would have done it on purpose. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think um, if anything was kind of directly influenced by it being cold. I don't know. Probably um, just like our our uh, attention spans to details. <laughs> so no, it definitely made me. It's like when you're cold all day, you like use use more energy. Like I definitely found myself getting tired easily. <laughs> like yeah, like. Like, I was never really that comfortable. (laughs) And there's a lot of times where it was just kind of like, yeah, that was good enough. I'm going to go inside and get some tea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
But like exactly. inside, inside was extremely comfortable. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's this like guest house attached to it or like right next door on the same property. And we like spent, we spent like eight days there in the, in the house next to the studio and it's so comfy. There's like a fireplace and oh yeah, it's real cozy. Yeah. Like when you would finish your takes or like when I would finish my takes, it would feel like you're like clocking out of work at a factory, man. Like yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, I get to go inside. Now. Like That's I'm so gonna, true. I'm going to go inside and like take a warm shower. Like <laughs> sit by the craziest. Yeah. Oh my God. Other than the extreme temperature at play, were there any unexpected challenges you guys ran into when recording the album? Um, um, oh, yeah, I mean, the temperature was probably the biggest one. It was kind of interesting. We kind of went into it not really knowing how we were going to record it. Initially, we, like, thought that we were going to record it, like, all individually track, Um yeah, like, because that's how we'd recorded in the past. Like, Jamie would record to a click track, and then we would play along with it. But we did it, like, we still ended up recording. We basically recorded drums and bass at the same time, essentially, but we were all playing along. Um, but, we, yeah, we were all, like, playing along to a click track, so it was a little more natural. Um, but, yeah, so that was kind of an adjustment we made on the fly when we started recording, and it, it worked out all right. I yeah, I think, like, most of the drums and bass were at least recorded like live together. Yeah. And I mean, as far as challenges also, I mean, like, uh, like we went in there still with like some lyrics to write and stuff. And that was kind of like, that was kind of a fun process, you know? And I think like Jesse, you came up with some really good stuff, like kind of under the, under the gun, which is definitely yeah. influenced <laughs> by the setting. I think I'd say like 40% of the lyrics, on the album were written at the studio like probably like the second half of the week that we were there so like just in time but I had like ideas you know and yeah. it was I kind of liked that I wrote a lot of it there because I was influenced by my surroundings and just like some of the things that we were discussing while we were there like had a lot of influence on on the lyrics so that was fun when did you guys record this album? January of 2019, like towards the end of January. Yeah, that that does sound very cold given the geographics that you gave to me earlier. So you record it in January of 2019. We are now in May of 2020. The album's about to come out. The album cycle started with the lead single, It's Lonely in Doggy Hell. How did you guys decide for this to be the first single on the new album? Uh, it's the opening track, so uh, and it's uh, it's shorter, which you know, like attention span wise, that's always good, and uh, it just it kind of comes in hot, you know. It's uh, it's it's interesting, I think. So I thought that was yeah. that was a good song. Yeah, it's a fun song, and it's one that also like, like if people like comment on our set, like after we play live, like that's one that people often say they like. So like we already knew that people kind of like that one at least or had heard that <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so you guys keeping in theme of what you know what single came out next the second track on the album bluish uh is what follows and that was one that as soon as i heard that i was like all right i'm in 
on these guys. I'd had a friend send me the song, and then you know everything that just worked out to where I was able to talk to you guys after that. But I heard Bluish and was was very on board. So how did this song come about? Oh boy, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Jake. Sure. Yeah, we had started jamming this song. This, this is a really old song for us. I used to. When did we start jamming that song? Like 2017 or something. Oh, I think I have a demo. Yeah, probably as old as like spring of 2017 on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I remember practicing it at the old house that I used to live at, where we play, where we had the practice space in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Um, but yeah, it's gone through a lot of different forms. Like at first, like it. At first, it was a lot like heavier and more like rocking, like a lot more like distortion and stuff. And I, there was a whole nother like flushed out vocal melody and chorus like that went totally different. It was like, yeah, it was a totally different song. It was called what? Like all the time. Uh, like yeah, that. I think that was one. of Yeah. Like, I mean, that was the chorus at the time and like the chorus totally changed all of the vocal melodies as well as the lyrics changed. Like, like it was a totally different song, but we, we were in this kind of like situation where we didn't have a lot of material to play live. So the minute we got a song like pretty much done, we would just add it to the lineup and have to like learn it in a solid form as it was to play it live, even if there were things that we still wanted to change. So it was just a slow process because there were all these like pit stops where we'd have to stop and be like, okay, this is how the song needs to exist for the next like two shows. And then, and we can keep writing and like fixing it and figuring it out. Is there a yeah, song? Yeah, totally. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Yeah, and then I think with this one, with this song, like it kind of came to a point where there was like a definite point of change for this song. It's like we had, I think we put it down for a while and then we started, oh yeah, we, yeah, we started jamming it at our new practice space in Aetna, the one we're still at. And the, I remember me and Jesse like went there one day to record vocal melodies over a demo that we had made. And we put down the vocal melodies that like the old ones. And then we like listened to it. And Jesse was like, I don't know. I don't think these are like very good. <laughs> like I want to <laughs> like switch this up. And then we like just kind of had this idea to make the song like a little like softer, kind of like pull it back um put in make like it acoustic like or make like acoustic guitar kind of like the driving uh part of it um and yeah and then once we kind of did that i like worked out this guitar part and i yeah that was just like a little more mellow and everything just kind of like started to fall into place jesse changed the vocal melodies tom wrote his guitar parts yeah is this the song that underwent the most change from the first time it was jammed or jotted down on paper to the finished product? No. No? There's, okay. Well, when it's we hit up. that song, let me know, because I will want to know that as well. Trent, yeah. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely up there, um, but we have done that with a few of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, would, I would say this one's probably number two. 
to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one definitely went through a ton of changes and it was really never fully realized until we were in the studio when we were able to record it with the acoustic guitar as well. And it's like when we added in like uh, the, the keyboard and stuff, like, yeah, definitely, yeah, it came together in the studio. Contrary to that, the next track, Landlady, came together really quick. Jake is acting like a radio professional <laughs> with that transition. So talk to me about Landlady. This song, I, I, I don't know the context of it. it. It felt weirdly personal and intimate, and in a way, listening to it was like strangely voyeuristic to me. Is that any of the inspiration behind it, or am I drawing crazy parallels on this one? Are we talking about Landlady? We are talking about Landlady. Okay, okay. Uh, sorry, I was looking for the bluish demo in my phone, but I'd love to talk about Landlady. Uh, this this is one of the songs, like, it's the total opposite of what we were just talking about. Like, this song came together super quick. Like, I was just playing acoustic guitar in my bedroom and dropped D and just, like, came up with that chord progression that just, like, re repeats the entire time and wrote the lyrics. Pro probably, like that was the fastest I've ever written lyrics for a song in my entire life. Um, so like everything about this song came together quickly, like soon after the, the like basic, like structure of the song was written, we jammed it in the practice space and everybody put their parts over top of it. And that was it. Like not much else went into it besides putting in some like, synth you know like some keys and uh adding like a little ending kind of uh vocal but like that song came together so quick which is rare yeah especially for us yeah. things go through a lot of changes with us and but with this one we were just like ah oh, we should probably just kind of like let this one like sit because the way that it is right now is it's working for us so <laughs> Yeah, that one was like like one or two practices. Like that was it. Yeah. Is that something you guys what, um, struggle with? Is trying to tinker with songs too much? How do you decide? Like, okay, this is it. This <laughs> is the song. Um, I think like there's a part of of me especially that's just like really hypercritical of like every section, every transition, every detail of, of a song, and I think that goes for all of us to like. We, we definitely struggle with that, but I, it, it's a good thing, but it's a good idea to learn to not do that as well. I mean, you don't want to sweat over every single detail and take another uh, five years to release a full-length album, so. <laughs> yeah, I would say, like, it's it's kind of hard to call it um, a struggle because, like, the, the end result is good, but it is hard to know when to stop. So I think, like... And this is just a goal for me, um, but I think it'd be cool, like for our, like for our next release, if we try to just like let the songs be what they are, um, a little a little bit more. Like I think that I think that would be a cool thing to to try out, and I think yeah. we can do that if we want. Um, like, uh, we tried it this way, now we can try it a different way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, totally. We we tried the five year plan, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And we will leave a review so that not everybody has to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. I mean, basically, like... You go ahead, Jess. Oh, 
Well, you know what? I wanted to ask, you, you said that landlady felt like it was voyeuristic, and I want to know, like, that's a really interesting take, and I want to know, like, how you uh, came up with that kind of uh, adjective. I, I think just the way that the vocals are mixed with that guitar, it felt strangely intimate, and unfortunately, I am only so... Uh, good with words and so emotionally capable of my surroundings that I can't describe it other in any other way than that guitar and those vocals. But listening to it, uh, I, I try to listen to albums with headphones on and without headphones on because I think they're totally different experiences. And both uh, both of those options, I was like, wow, this I I feel like I'm you know peeping in on somebody's lives, and I I can't analyze the song anymore that I don't know what it's about but it was intimate in a way that wasn't like necessarily uh, extreme happiness or extreme sadness or this romantic affair it was intimate in like uh, all, you know strange way like an invasion of privacy way almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we're uh, we're super pervy like that I guess when we, uh... <laughs> it's a shockingly no. pervy album <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on <laughs> yeah let's talk instrumentals for a second because you guys have a few on this album I think it's uh a bold move and not a bad way because one of my favorite artists of all time is David Berman and the Silver Jews and on almost every Jews album there is at least one instrumental which I always found to be funny given that I think David Berman is one of the greatest songwriters of all time how do you guys as a band say no vocals on this one well those um, uh some of those long instrumental songs are like uh I would say like in band practice or even when we're just jamming and having fun like those are a big part of that um, like sometimes we will just go in there and like, and just play for a long time on kind of like a repetitive loop and it's really fun. Um, and we, like, we enjoy doing it with each other and it's part of our process. So we kind of were like, why, why don't we put that on the album? You know, cause we do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah well I think said. With, with, um, with track four, make it so we, um, we always had that guitar part. And like we had the idea, I think a couple months before we made the album that we were that we would have like two versions of that song on the album. We would have like a more like amped up band version, and then we would have a part that was like very stripped down, which like ended up just being acoustic guitar. Um, so we kind of liked that as almost like I I don't know if it really turned into like a theme sort like sort of until like the album was pretty much recorded. But like we always knew that we wanted to have that. Yeah, I think yeah. we uh, I think we had the idea before we had the the actual riff. Well, I no, like... I, I was gonna say I think that I I had that riff saved for like three or four years, and I just wanted to use it on something cool, and like didn't know how to use it, and uh, the opportunity just kind of presented it itself because I think we were a lot more comfortable with just like not having a song just be like a verse chorus song you know like we became more comfortable with instrumentals as a thing so it just worked out that we could use that now yeah and i think i think a, a good bit of it too is like i just kind of like exposure to like more experimental and instrumental bands like i know like over the past couple of years like i started listening to a lot of broken social scene and like there's instrumental pinback songs and like just kind of a lot more like stuff in that realm. So I think that's just kind of where we were headed. 
on the tail end of that, or I guess the flip side, track five is Shoot It, which sounds like it should be on Doolittle or Bossa Nova or any Pixies record that exists. It's my favorite song on the album just because it's it's so shockingly different than the other tracks on the album. So I want to hear the process for Shoot It and how this came about. Interesting. It's my favorite one, too. Um, well, that was written during the time that two things. Uh, I was listening to a ton of Pixies, for sure. Um, so you nailed it on that one. And, and Jake uh, had broken his wrist skateboarding. Uh, so he laid down that key part because he was only using one hand in playing uh the keyboard at practice jake can i ask how did the broken wrist occur what were you attempting i was just i was at the skate park with tom we were just gonna have a nice mellow session yeah and yeah i like skate mostly like bowls bowls and stuff and i like just tried to do a 50 50 and just slipped out and put my hand down and really uh fucked my shit up oh yeah i I hate i hated it a lot (laughs) yeah it was it was bad but it's yeah it's it's really crazy because like yeah if i didn't do that then we wouldn't have shoot it on the album because we would have been recording the album in october instead of january wow so a skateboarding injury delayed this album is that an exclusive scoop is that what i'm getting here yeah 100 percent. yeah we were all set to record it in october and then this shit ha- i broke my wrist and then yeah we had to reschedule i remember like being in the car though and being like oh man we're gonna have to like reschedule the recording Dude, yeah it was it was crazy but yeah like yeah. The, during that delay we wrote a couple songs and that's when we finally were able, like we'd been talking about adding like synth and keyboard for a long time and just never did it. But when Jake only had one arm and that's all he could play, it was just like, all right, well let's add this in. And then that inspired more new songs. And this is one of those. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. We follow that with another instrumental. I am going to attempt the pronunciation. I am, uh, this will come across as incredibly ignorant. It is not that. I am just dumb. But Como Este La ser- s- Serenidad is it, what follows. I, did I say that right or did I say that wrong? It was pretty close. Pretty Como Esta La Serenidad. Yeah, I took two and a half and years I, of Spanish and did not retain any of it. Uh, but <laughs> this song stuck with me. Let's talk about it. Yeah, sure. This um, is all yes. Jake here. Sure. This song's this song's crazy. I was thinking about this earlier today because I was like, "What are we gonna say say about this one?" I remember like I had sent this demo to Jesse of like me playing this repeating riff, and like we were like, "Okay, that's cool. Like, let's mark that." And then fast forward probably like a year or two later, we were playing a show um, with Piebald. We were opening up for them, and Tom's amp went out or something. Bad. And, it was like on fire, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Tom's amp was, was yeah, dead and dying during the show. During the show, during the middle of our set. So like while he was trying to figure that out, I just like started playing that riff, and then Jamie started playing this kind of like shuffly beat that was like cool, and we were just kind of like jamming on that for a second while um, Tom fixed his guitar amp, and then at our next practice, we were like. I think Jesse was like, oh, yeah, that was like, that was cool. Like, we were working on, like, we decided to work on that song. And Jesse was like, oh, yeah, Jamie, you should, like, play that drum beat like you did. 
Um, and then, yeah. And then we just kind of worked it out, worked out the arrangement. Like, I mean, it's a pretty simple arrangement. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. I didn't even know that. I didn't, I never even noticed cause I was so mad about my amp. Like I, <laughs> I probably wasn't even paying attention to what you guys are doing. Right. <laughs> Do you remember that, Jesse? No, I, I totally remember serious? that for sure. Oh. No, I, I do remember that. Um, like, I forgot about it until you just brought up that story. Um, in the, yeah, like, that's, like, one of the most exciting ways that a song can happen is, like, by just jamming something out that sounds cool, and then everyone's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll do this. And then, like, bam, it's a, it's a song that made it on the debut full-length LP by Same. Yeah. What about and if Osho Tom's Kid? amp didn't fry, we wouldn't have it. Exactly. <laughs> a skateboarding broken wrist delays this album, gives you new songs. Uh, the frigid temperatures in the studio give you new ideas, and a fiery amp propels what ended up being Dude, track six on the album. We're kind of free. <laughs> we're documenting history here. This is we need all of this uh, out in the open so people know the struggle that was Plastic Western. Yeah, this is like a uh, Forrest Gump style stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> every <laughs> Osho tapes is what follows. This is the last single you guys have released. What is an Osho tape? Somebody walk me through this. Go ahead, yes, guys. yes, I'm so happy you asked. <laughs> so, so we just like, so there's this documentary called Wild Wild Country that we all watched. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's about this crazy cult in Oregon. And um, yeah, and there's just like this quote in the documentary where they're talking about like listening to tapes of Osho, who's like their spiritual leader. And this guy's like, oh, yeah, I remember the first time I heard Osho tapes. Like, it was really crazy because everyone just gets so, like, caught up in it. And yeah, you could get like you could get like mail order tapes like sent to your house from him. I think he was describing like putting like he was describing the first time he like ordered it and listened to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so um, Jesse ended up working in a lyric about that in the song um the it's like wave your hands up and down just like bag one back when red orange was all that you had on like that ba- the bag one is osho and like the whole <laughs> song isn't about that but that line you know is a reference to it is peace and serenity something that you guys try to accomplish as a band i feel like that is a present theme throughout this album, which I'm sitting here recording this podcast in a have heart shirt. Uh, typically my music viewers are a little bit more into the hardcore side. So I'm not used to sitting down and relaxing to an album. And I felt like I had the opportunity to do that here. Is that something you guys were striving for? I mean, Hey, I, I have a couple have heart shirts too. So, yeah, uh... brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like we all, are totally down with like settling into a nice groove that feels and sounds good. So if we like it, we'll write a song and put it on the album that gives us those feelings, you know, like anything kind of goes and everybody likes like serenity and peace, you know, when you're listening to music, I think that's something that uh, people generally enjoy and we do too. Yeah. Yeah, 
Oh, you go ahead, Jake. Uh, sure. It's kind of interesting that you bring that up because it's like that's kind of a theme that we had talked about a little bit. Like the album has like a lot of crazy parts, but like there are these little bits of like peace and like serenity. And that's kind of like that's in the title, Como esta la serenidad, how's the serenity? Like that moment, like we kind of think of that song as like a moment of like peace and serenity. Tom, would you co-sign that? Yeah, for sure. And um, like what I was going to say is like speaking just for me, like uh, like peace and serenity are things that are important to me. Uh, like I'm pretty into like meditation and stuff like that. Like I do it every day. Um, so I also would hope that like uh, like just naturally like the music that I write would uh, reflect that. So it is nice to have a song. But I do like, you know, I'm glad that our songs are kind of like diverse and I'm kind of into like some heavy music also, but I really like that. I like a, like contrasts. I guess you're talking about like the physical elements earlier with like the extreme elements. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's like we go like extreme in both directions, <laughs> like being chill and not chill, <laughs> and being freezing actually, and being chill yeah. and, and being, being literally chill. freezing. Yeah. <laughs> Cherry Pole and Peel is what follows. Now, this is the tastiest sounding song on the record. How do we come up with a title like this? How does this song manifest itself out into the open? So, uh, I really like Cherry Pole and Peels a lot. Rightfully. And, uh, <laughs> like, are you talking, like, lyrically? Because I don't, I don't want to reveal too much about lyrics because I don't want to, like, if someone listens to this, if they have a different idea of what the song means, I don't want to like ruin it for them. So like, it definitely was about an experience I had, which I guess that's like really general, but no, that works. I like the mystery of it. <laughs> okay. It's a song yeah. about an experience. Yeah. Um, I like to keep the mystery alive. You know, I think that's more fun for everybody that way. Um, but this song, I mean, this is one that we were jamming back at Jake's house in that bedroom. So this was written like a few years ago as well, sort of like around the same time Bluish was written. And it went through some changes. Like there's that void in the song uh, where the instruments kind of drop out and you take a trip like into the stratosphere and back, I guess. Uh, we had two of those in this song, a short one and a long one. And uh, we took the short one out and just kept the long one. Yeah, that void part is kind of a nod to a Shinobu song called The Void. Yes. Wh yeah, which um, we had, I had like showed the guys that record one time when we like went out to um, my like my great aunt's house uh, on the lake to like work on some songs. I showed them that record and I remember that part really stuck with us and we definitely used it as reference for like what we wanted The Void to be. I think their void though is like three minutes long. Oh yeah, they they fucking like they really they leaned into it. It's <laughs> they went like committing it. to the bit in an astonishing way. Like no, they have a void and they they are going to let you know about it. Yeah, we're, exactly. we're gonna let them. We're gonna let them own the void. Uh, ours is just like a replica of the void. Um, it's still a good void. It's still a it's good a void. Good void but it's void light. Of course, it's diet void. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plastic Western, the title track, is up next. I want to know, how did you guys decide on Plastic Western to be the name of the album? Talk to me about the album artwork a little bit. Why is this song so important in the grand scheme of all things same? 
Uh, I don't think it is that important in the grand scheme. It just kind of ended up with the title track. I mean, I love the song, uh, but there's not any significance related to like the title of the album and the song. It's just like, it just, we needed a song title. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's just kind of how things happen with us I, sometimes. I think, I think we gave it the song title because it's got the melodica that sounds kind of like old timey and Western. Right. Um, it's definitely kind of got like a little bit of a country feel. So I think that's definitely when when we realized we were going to call the album Plastic Western, which we realized by writing all of the lyrics down for all the songs and like circling cool words. And we found those plastic and Western close to each other. Um, yeah, yeah we realized tapes. that. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So yeah, once we realized like Plastic Western is a good name for the album because we kind of wanted to go with the cowboy figurine motif. But Osho Tapes kinda... is too good of a song name, so we couldn't call that song Plastic Western. <laughs> yeah, we thought about calling the album Osho Tapes. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, it's kind of weird that Osho Tapes like birthed the the album title within its lyrics. That's kind of neat. And then we have a song called Plastic Western, whose title is from Osho Tapes, which is another song. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So but same yeah, just went like, galaxy brain on us. That was eye-opening uh, for everybody involved. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it's our Chris Angel yeah. mind freak album trick. Um, kind of a cool thing on the song Plastic Western is like, well, it uses a drum machine, which is like, pretty cool like it's the only song on the album i think that we use a drum machine on is that right yeah i think so, I think so. and like the ending of the song it like picks up it like ends but then picks back up with like like a live recording of us practicing that song um so like it was really cool to use like one of our personal like live recordings and put that on the album and then put other various like field recordings on top of that yeah, that's yeah. We had fun doing that kind of like sound collage at the end of that song. It's a nice mellow track, I think, in the vein of album titles. And you know, I I am far from a musician. I I like the title Plastic Western. I think it's a great title. But I also think To the Infinitive could have been a great name for the album. What is it with this song? Is there a process for this one that I desperately need to know about? Oh that's man, good, that, that is a good album name. We should I change do what it. I can't see. Huh? It's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> um, yeah, so to yeah. the infinitive, how did this song come about? Man, so like, did this song? Yeah, Jesse. I, I remember it was during the time that Tom was living in Philly. So when this song started, it was just uh, Jake, Jamie, and I playing it. Um, and it was just like, I, I don't know, just it's started like kind of how a lot of songs start like someone plays something and we're like that was cool so in this case i just played that bass riff and um the guys just wrote around it and then when tom traveled up for band practice like he did like once a month or so during that time he just like added his part to it and uh, it became what it is like i don't know if there's anything else like interesting yeah. about it yeah, that is interesting though because it's a uh, it's a song that you guys you guys mostly wrote while I wasn't there, right? And then when I got there, I was like, I don't know, like I, it was it was hard for me to think of 
uh, things to add to the song. So my guitar parts are pretty pretty light in that song. Right, because um, we, we didn't write it around you not being there. We just right, kind of yeah. wrote it almost as a three-piece, Yeah, you know? And, and that wasn't... Be, that wasn't because we didn't like you it was just kind of how it naturally happened yeah i, I, was, I was there i didn't like you guys <laughs> tom, For me, did this was... in, tom did your time in philly uh mold you musically in any way did you leave that scene with new tools to take into this album i uh, i think so for sure um like everybody knows that the philly music scene is pretty vibrant um and it was weird because like uh when i was living there I wasn't like with my band, so I, I was like going to shows a lot. Which, when I live in Pittsburgh, I don't do that because I'm always doing like band practice and shows for us and everything else. So I started like going to shows a lot and just kind of like becoming friends with more people. Um, like we were talking about Matt, who we recorded the album with. Um, he lived pretty nearby to me in Philly, along with some other people uh, in this like music scene that are friends with him. Um, so I started hanging out with with those guys more and I, I definitely just uh i definitely did learn a lot about music and like music scenes when i was there because the music scene there is so uh it's so like tight and so collaborative like so many people are friends and they just kind of like build each other up and everybody makes each other like better and it just really like inspired me to see a music scene like that um because that doesn't i feel like that doesn't happen as much in, in pittsburgh or you don't see it to like that extent um, where there's just like so many people that are so talented. So it was cool. It was cool just to like be around that. And I did kind of build some friendships, um, like I said, with Matt and some of those other uh, awesome people um, that like led to the album being made the way that it was. For sure. Yeah, it was a fun time. I'm really glad that I lived there. Like during that time of like 2017, 20, 2018, it was really exciting. Good. I enjoy any positive story about the Philly music scene. Uh, as someone that grew up in Indiana, even though I now, for the most part, when the world's not in imminent danger, reside in Chicago, uh, which has a very healthy music scene. I'm always fascinated by Philly and just the way bands seem to come out of there and prosper and just do all these great things. I'm also fascinated by uh, the second to last song in the album, 2094 U.S. Open. Uh, I'm a sports guy. You can tell by the sound of my voice. I'm clearly an alpha, and I make that felt in any room I enter. Um, <laughs> I, this song, I it, somebody explained the title of this song to me because that was my number one question going into this podcast was why is this song called what it is? <laughs> so, um, so, like, Jake came up with the title, which was just inspired by sort of what the song, like, was really written about I don't, I don't want to say the song was written about but there were some lines written about and okay a mystery is going to be revealed uh, slightly for this song uh <laughs> my brother and i went on a trip to new york to see the u.s open because he's a huge tennis fan i'm also a fan of the sport like through him and it was a really great time and there's some lines in there that sort of reflect like um just it doesn't talk about tennis but like <laughs> It just I was thinking about that time when I was writing some of the lines in the song. Um, and so I told Jake that, uh, and then he came up with the title, just kind of like, I don't know, like, what's, I mean, what's 2094, Jake? That was just kind yeah, of like... I was just like, it, I don't know, something about the song kind of gives me like a dystopian kind of feel. Um, I don't know, just there's like, I don't know, just like talks of like 
stuff like broken down like caution tape like just kind of like yeah and it's just like a very kind of like gentle quiet song yeah whatever reason gave him the dystopian vibe and so i was just like all right so i asked jesse like what year the u.s open was that he was talking about and i I think he said like 2005 or something uh 2000 and 2018 oh never mind so 2018 (laughs) by 2005 i meant 2018 (laughs) that song was written around the same time like bluish and cherry pole and peel it was like slightly it was like started and we always liked it but we could never finish it um so that was cool that it ended up on the album that we like came back to it which happens to us a lot um but there's another line in that song that like was inspired by um like my best friend was working out in the in like the west on a farm just kind of like randomly got this job working on a beet farm and driving this like tractor trailer and he like didn't really have like the like certification to do so and he told me that and i thought that was really funny so like there's a little nod to that in there so i have to give him credit for giving me that line yeah, it's a really enjoyable track, as is the finale of Plastic Western. The song must hit your head. I really like this. I think this is a strong way to close the album. Did you guys intentionally position this song at the end of the record, or is that just how it ended up? Yeah, I mean, like, the song before is one of those songs that's, like, kind of, like, quiet and gives you that, like, really, like, comforting kind of, like, let's go home feel, you know? But then, like you want to end it like on a little bit more of a like higher energy just to, like lift your spirits up a little bit and so it was totally intentional like i know there's a lot of albums that i've listened to like shook down by the replacements kind of does something like that uh there's a lot of other albums that give you like the song that feels like the last song where like you're closing everything down and like shutting everything down to like go home but then there's like one more track that's like kind of weird but like still really enjoyable that like you end on so we wanted to do that and i think we did it pretty well yeah this is one that i think we put it together like the way that it is now like like relatively last minute um like i think there was some playing around in the studio of kind of like oh like what like what should we do with this i remember i remember like putting touches on this song like when we were there yeah, Tom wrote, like, half the lyrics for this song, at least, like, because I, I was sort of out of gas at that point, like, lyrically, like, I really stretched myself thin. It was the last day of recording, and, like, Tom, like, jot down a bunch of lines and, like, sort of gave gave me a rough idea, and we wrote the lyrics together on it, which was really cool. Yeah, I'm glad we could do that, too, because I never had really done that before. Like, I had talked about writing lyrics, like, forever. Um, but it just kind of worked out again where like I was done tracking all my stuff and like you guys weren't and I had free time. So we just kind of like doled out their responsibilities, but it was fun. Oh, and, uh, I say the F word in this song. That's the first time I've ever done that. I've never said a swear word in a song before. And it's It's so awesome. It's my favorite part of the album. I like when you said the F word. So cool. Wow. Awesome. Uh, my grandmother would beg to differ, I'm sure, but that's cool. I do like that I said like towards the end also, because if someone's listening to the album and they're just like, damn, they didn't say the F word once. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a waste. I mean, the album's good, but I don't see an explicit sign anywhere. 
Boom. It's actually it's actually really funny because um, when we were like submitting the album to Spotify, Aaron from Lauren Records was like, "Oh yeah, are any of the songs explicit?" And I was like, "No, I don't think so. We're good." Because I had totally forgot about the f bomb in the last track, and it, he just sent me a message back that was just like, "Yeah, I'm just like looking through the lyrics now, and I see fucking in the last song." So <laughs> I think we could have just like I barely say the u i think we could have just put like f-c-k-n with an apostrophe you know like yeah and that yeah, wouldn't true. technically count right um one thing about this song that was cool like we say supermoon and w- i think we are referencing something different than what i'm about to tell you but like during the time that we were in the studio recording on one of those nights that it was like probably like in the teens like maybe like low 20s like there was a lunar eclipse and we all like stayed up like probably until like i don't know 12 30 or one like see the lunar eclipse and that was awesome that that happened while we were up there like in poconos it was like super icy and snowy out and we're just like staring at this lunar eclipse happening so that was really cool just it's like an anecdote like it doesn't that's really why you're here no that button. is that is exactly <laughs> why you're here that's a good way to end uh, going track by track through plastic western which is out now on lauren records which is a great record label you should all support lord records same i want to ask you guys as we end this podcast times are tough the world is weird how can the fans support you guys the best way possible Go to our um, shows. <laughs> go to all the shows that are that we're playing right now. <laughs> um, honestly, the best way is to buy the buy the album on uh, the Lauren Records website or our Bandcamp, um, or buy some merch. We like have a bunch of merch on the Lauren Records website. Um, cassettes of Plastic Western and uh, shirts and sunglasses and weird stuff so i yeah definitely recommend checking that out that's probably the best thing yeah and also and like, um, it, it go ahead tom i was just gonna say like uh like in addition to all that stuff uh like we spent a lot of like spent a lot of time and energy on the album um and like i'm i'm really excited about it um so i hope you enjoy it and if you do enjoy it just like share it with somebody else um just like tell one of your friends about it so they can enjoy it too that would make me yeah. feel really good if people did that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Like, like, let us know, too, because yeah. we really like to hear about it, you know, like to hear people's feedback. Yeah, we've only been waiting, like, a year and a half, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. longer than, I mean, like, since we, like, re- like, wrote the entire thing, so. Yeah, so if you enjoy the album, tweet at same at, what is it, same PGH, and you can follow them on Instagram at same band. Let them know. Plastic Western is out now. It is a tremendous record. I want to thank the boys from Same for joining me on a bonus episode of the Art School Albums podcast. If you like this show, you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore caselow, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And you can follow the podcast itself at Art School Albums on Instagram. Thank you to Same for joining me. Go stream Plastic Western and stay safe, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode, a bonus episode of the Art School Albums podcast.